you have someone who's medically trained who doesn't really understand the nuances of the scope of public health, we tend to focus a lot on the tertiary prevention piece, access to care, affordability of treatment, and that sort of thing, and less so on the preventative measures. And this is encapsulated very well by someone, I believe, Dr. Michael Marmot, is medically trained himself, and in his book, The Health Gap, one of his most famous quotes was, why treat people and send them back to the conditions that made them sick? And there's a couple things going on in that quote, one being treat people, that's where the doctors come in, very important, and then send them back to the conditions. That's where public health comes in, and that's why we need both involved. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health. From the Sustainable Development Goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. As healthcare professionals, doctors are trained to focus on individual patients and their specific health concerns. But when it comes to public health, this approach alone may not be sufficient. In an article titled, Want to Fix Public Health? Stop Thinking Like a Doctor, the author argues that in fact, a medicalized approach can sometimes hinder progress and prevent us from addressing the root causes of health disparities. In this episode, we'll discuss the medicalization of public health and limitations of medical doctors holding leadership roles in public health organizations or institutions. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with the incredibly knowledgeable LaShawn Benedict. Why do you think it's important to stop thinking like a doctor when it comes to public health? That's a very, very, very complicated question. Generally speaking, we have to understand at its core, the training of a medical doctor and the training of a public health professional are quite different in its scope. Right. When we're talking about a doctor, we're ultimately talking about patient interactions. We're talking about clinical. We're talking about treatments. Although there are some nuances with different curriculums, starting to branch out to talk about it in a more holistic social determinants of health perspective, this is where public health can come in and talk about some of those issues that are spanning across someone's life course. As a trained medical doctor, and when we're talking about what percentage of someone's overall health accounts for certain things, you can ascribe around 15 to 20% of someone's health outcomes to medical treatments and having that individual clinical focus. But where is that other 80% going? And that's what we get to when we're talking about public health. We're talking about system issues. We're talking about prevention. We're talking about interventions, policies at the population level, which fundamentally requires a different brand of thinking. 
a good way to look at this is for doctors, the patient is the individual, potentially the family. And for public health, the patient is the population. And I think handling those situations is fundamentally different in the way that a doctor is not necessarily trained to think of a patient as a population. And a public health practitioner is not trained to think of a patient as an individual. So there's blind spots on both ends, and we're hoping to dive into this a little bit more. In the article, the article starts off by making a case and presenting a case study for why we're talking about this in the first place. And it goes back to specifically the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States. And it was talking about how all the directors at that agency since the 1950s have always had an MD degree as their primary degree. And they're essentially looking at the way that public health has evolved over that period and some of the gaps in how public health is now delivered and then connecting that to the blind spot of a medical doctor. And hence, we have this really intriguing topic about if you want to fix public health, stop thinking like a doctor. There are valid arguments for that being the case. And LaShawn and I also do see the value of doctors being involved in public health. And I think there's a way to get best out of both worlds. Now, with medical doctors, you did talk about it a little bit, LaShawn, with the specific elements of the training. Could you go a little bit more into that determinant of health piece that accounts for the 80%? And that piece, it sounds like, is out of the scope of what a doctor is trained to address, usually. Right. That focus is on the population level. So where do we eat? Where do we play? Where do we live? Where do we work? Those are all situations and landscapes where we're interacting on our day-to-day life. Okay? Whether it's our education system our housing systems, our social support services, our social networks. These are all factors that play a large role in our overall health. And when it comes to these things, we could talk about things like seatbelt safety, vaccination campaigns, being able to provide daycare services to our youth, transportation services, All of these can have different policies aimed at them to address these issues, to allow us to live more healthier, fulfilled lives. Now, on the other hand, this 20% is still a large chunk of change, and doctors play a fundamental role in that. This article is talking about how that core training as being a medical doctor, being trained in the clinical setting, even though it's super, super valuable, it could put individuals in a very difficult position for making decisions on these broader scale topics when your core training is at that individual level but you have to talk about these population level phenomenons that affect people in a community absolutely and one of the key manifestations of that and even in my experience as well working with healthcare providers is you know, and we all have inherent biases based on our lived experience, our professional practice. And the way I see this manifest, LaShawn, is a lot of conversation around access to care and barriers to access to care. And that is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. 
But again, if we look at public health in the context of the levels of prevention, primary being before anything happens in the first space and secondaries, early identification of disease, for example, and then tertiary prevention being treating people who are already sick. And that captures one small piece of the pie. And if you have someone who's medically trained who doesn't really understand the nuances of the scope of public health, we tend to focus a lot on the tertiary prevention piece, Mm -hmm. access to care, affordability of treatment, and that sort of thing, and less so on the preventative measures. And this is encapsulated very well by someone, I believe, Dr. Michael Marmot, is medically trained himself, and in his book, The Health Gap, one of his most famous quotes was, why treat people and send them back to the conditions that made them sick? Mm. And there's a couple things going on in that quote. One being treat people. That's where the doctors come in. Very important. And then send them back to the conditions. That's where public health comes in. And that's why we need both involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that quote by Michael Marmot. And thanks for stealing that from me. Because I love saying that. But I think what we also have to talk about when we're talking about the medicalization of public health is how did medical doctors get to this point? How did they become so entrenched in our public health fabric? That's a great question. I have a theory about this. Hmm. You want to hear why? No. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That was rhetorical. So yeah, so I, you know what I believe is the case, LaShawn, in that these positions, the CDC and a lot of these health agencies that are funded by the government, you have politicians being in positions of power with decision-making capabilities. And when you think of health, you think of doctors. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Fair enough. We're public health practitioners. Everybody needs a family doctor. Everybody wants a family doctor. It's very, very, very important. But there's a limited view on the scope of health from someone who's maybe not trained to appreciate Mm -hmm. the different contexts that go into it. And what you find is because even as well that a medical doctor is a very respected position in society, they tend to be the beacon and the champion for advancing health. And that is a reflection on the people that put them in those positions too, not understanding the scope of health and all the things that go into determining someone's ability to be healthy or not. So I think that's a simple explanation for that as well. It's an easy Mm. thing to do. And as well, a lack of appreciation of other disciplines that have a broader view on health and how they may be able to step in those leadership roles and add value. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about medical doctors here. How about situations where medical doctors go on to pursue public health training? Are they more equipped to be in these leadership positions? What's that intersection there look like? That's a great question. And the author in this article didn't seem too fond of that approach of someone that was medically trained first and then going back to fill the gaps with like a master of public health degree, for example. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think that if 
there's a practitioner that has an appreciation for the clinical components, for the medical components, and now is taking the steps to broaden their view with the population health components, that's no different from maybe us, LaShawn, going to school in undergrad for bio biochemistry, immunology, and then stepping into the public health world. I don't see that being much different. It, as long as a person has an appreciation for the context that determines the health. And I think that's very important. But I would like to see, because public health is so diverse and housing being a determinant of health, income being a determinant of health, I would like to see different disciplines come into those roles. And that might shape the future direction of public health in a way that is more encapsulating of the actual problems on the ground, rather than a medical doctor approaching it from their worldview. And I believe what I see a lot of times is a lot of narrative around access to care, building more hospitals, wait times. That sort of dominates the discourse, I find, when medical doctors are involved because it's something tangible. The outcomes are a little bit more immediate, whereas public health, disease prevention efforts take years and decades to realize. And from a return on investment, those decision makers that put those doctors in those positions to be leaders, they are not in office for 20 years. So they want to have someone there who can make some real tangible change in a shorter period of time, which is problematic in of itself as well. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What you're basically talking about is this politicization of public health. And not necessarily that public health is not political, because I definitely think it is. But I think the point about when we're talking about partisanship and we're talking about bias and being influenced by certain parties and their agendas, that doesn't seem to be too good of a fit for public health. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. It's a bit tricky. We see this in a lot of different contexts. For this article, of course, it's speaking about the United States. In Canada, we see it as well in that you have the different provinces and then you have a leader for the province and you have public health official or chief medical officer of health, which serves an advisory role. And that dynamic can lead to decisions being made that are not necessarily always in the best interest of public health. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of discussions have taken place about pulling public health a little bit out of this influence of politics and having it be a little bit more autonomous so that more sound and logical decisions can be made. I trust that will be that that'll still be difficult when you have something that's funded by a governmental agency, mm-hmm. and the accountabilities can be a little bit in the dark with as far as a president or a premier or a governor making decisions on who should serve in specific roles. But it's something that warrants a deeper look at, for sure. Now. The article talks about, and I don't know if we necessarily agree with this, but to some degree, the need for epistemic humility. And what, what is that? that really what is that big is, word? Yeah, what is that? You can't yeah, use words like that. Humility. It means that you have a certain degree of expertise in an area, and being humble and open to learn what you don't know. That's sort of what that gets at, and that touches on the point I mentioned earlier about the blind spots that medical doctors might have where just an appreciation of the other conditions that 
can determine someone's ability to be healthy or not. That seems to be lacking. And because of that, what you might find is that those people in those leadership positions may not surround themselves with other leaders who can fill their blind spots. Mm -hmm. So if there's a lack of appreciation for what you don't know as a medical doctor in positions in public health organizations, you may not know who to surround yourself with to provide you with the best advice so that we can advance public health. I like that term, epistemic humility. It reminds me of another term, epistemic trespassing, is mm. when you're in a certain field and you you speak past your boundaries of the field to talk about other fields that you may not know too much about. So you have to be have some realization that you have an expertise, these are your limits, and you don't want to stretch out completely far where you don't know what you're talking about and doing things that are not in line with the evidence base. And you, I feel like we see this a lot when in the media when you have these big-shot public health officials feeling the need to answer every question correctly mm. to show off their expertise. And you could understand why, because a lot of people are depending on them to get that timely, confident information. But I think this hum humility component is important because it acknowledges that there are barriers to the understanding of certain topics and mm -hmm. we can't if we cross these bounds we risk the trust of the public and that's the most valuable thing you can have in public health right absolutely and again i don't want to sound like a broken <laughs> record on this lashawn but the point that you made was really important about the 15 to 20% of someone's ability to be healthy is determined by access to care and other proximal factors that relate to that. When we talk about other impactful things around us that determines our ability to be healthy, we were looking at income. Mm -hmm. So income, housing, and a lot of those are policy-based issues, substance use, for example. Yeah. And I don't imagine many medical doctors by training have the experience around political advocacy, creating a policy, getting bills passed and doing that sort of work. And that's why it's important to broaden our horizons a little bit. There was a, an influence diagram came across recently and it just showed how income and affordability really influenced a lot of different health and social outcomes. And I don't imagine that if someone is primarily medically trained, that they would have a proper appreciation for those factors. So again, that is a bit of a blind spot that has to be appreciated. And this should be represented in public health positions of leadership as well, because the leaders shape the programs, the program shapes what happens on the ground. And if we don't have the proper leaders in place with the right expertise, mm -hmm. then we'll focus on the wrong things, which happens a lot of times too, right? Yeah. And we, I don't think we want to give off the idea that this one person, this one leader should have all these knowledge items in public health or in the medical practice. I think that's impossible to know everything about everything. And that's why when you're surrounding yourself with teams, you have to make sure that they can cover these different blind spots 
as Gordon has been alluding to. So have people who have a solid understanding in public health. Have people that have this solid understanding about healthcare, access to healthcare, primary mm. healthcare, clinical training. We need mm. those things in order to make these effective decisions because all these parts of the puzzle interact together. So how do we make sure ultimately that these roles, first of all, are free of bias without the influence of partisan control and in a way that they can actually do that public health work in an evidence-informed way while also being able to communicate effectively to the public. It sounds like we're trying to create some superhuman, in fact. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm getting at. We need to have teams surrounding these leaders that can also help fill in the blind spot because it's not one person's responsibility. My verdict is to the question, want to fix public health, stop thinking like a doctor. I don't think we should give the idea that all doctors think alike, first of all, and I think that's inherently problematic. If I could reword the article, it would be, want to fix public health, stop thinking like a clinician, because doctors are clinicians as well as other things, and I think a clinician has a limited view, and it might not be conducive to addressing the social determinants of health. What's your verdict, LaShawn, on want to fix public health, stop thinking like a doctor? Is that how you feel? Do you hmm. agree with that, that argument put forward by the author of this article? Hmm. If I want to fix public health, I think we should start thinking as humans. This was Gordon and LaShawn your favorite public health professionals, epistemic trespassing on a wonderful podcast episode topic. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.